Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo, and right now I have a very special author to share with you, a Firebird Book Award winning author. She is Sue Gans Schmidt, and her book is titled Now I'm a Bird, and that's the one that won the Firebird Book Award. Sue is a children's book author, a proud mom, musical theater producer, and a philanthropist. She holds an MFA degree from Vermont College of Fine Arts and a Bachelor of Science degree from San Diego State University in business marketing. She's traveled to China to help medically challenged orphans and set up a birthing clinic in rural India. She loves improbable challenges and has performed on Broadway, run marathons, and swum with sharks. Sue is the author of six picture books, Now I'm a Bird, That Monster on the Block, Planet Kindergarten, Planet Kindergarten 100, Days in Orbit, the Princess and the Peanut, a royally allergic fairy tale, and even superheroes get diabetes. Her next book, titled Skybound, will release in 2024. Sue has served as a NASA social correspondent, a volunteer for the Planetary Society, and a space advocate to Congress. And you can find her at her home in the Los Angeles mountains with her feet on the clouds and her eyes to the stars. And I'm looking forward to finding out more. So welcome to the network, Sue. Thank you so much, Pat. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm happy you're here, too. Sue, we could spend an entire time dissecting my intro. China, India, Broadway, Marathons, Sharks, NASA, oh my. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You are one heck of a person doing all of these wonderful things in your life, very rich and fulfilled. Thank you so much. It's it's been an exciting life for sure. I, I could tell. Well, listen, congratulations on the book win, too. Thank you. Thank you. I I, I am really honored to have won this award from your organization that does so much great work for um, families and shelters. I appreciate that. And when I first saw your book cover, it just, oh my gosh, just made me smile. I was just so delighted and couldn't wait to read it. Um, So maybe give us a peek or our listeners a peek in to this Firebird award-winning book, Now I'm a Bird. Yeah, so Now I'm a Bird is about a little girl uh, named Juliana who um, she starts turning into a bird um, feather by feather and becomes an outcast in her society. Um, she's she's out of place at ballet, at the beach, um, kids at school um, ask her awkward questions um, like, do you eat worms? And um, she has to she has to find her inner strength um, in the face of her feeling so different from everyone else. And she eventually learns to use her wings and soar, and she she ultimately finds her flock. I love this book, Sue. Why did you decide to tackle this topic, and why a bird? Yeah, so um, first of all, um, as you mentioned, I live in the Santa Monica, well, I live in the Santa Monica Mountains. Los Angeles Mountains, and on any given day, I'm surrounded by birds, ravens, hawks, hummingbirds, uh, peacocks, wild parrots come through, and nests appear in the crooks of our windows in spring. Uh, last year, there was a huge hawk's nest over our kitchen window, and we had the opportunity to um, watch the lovely hawk couple um, uh, give birth. Um, we saw the eggs, and then we saw the fledglings and saw them learning to swoop and hunt. So I'm definitely surrounded by birds. But the way that it often works for me with my books is that there's this liminal place between sleeping and waking where a line will just come to me. And on this 
occasion, the line came to me that was I, the very first line in the book. I didn't mean to be a bird. It just happened feather by feather. And when something like that happens, I wake up, grab my pen, write it down. And then when I get to it, I sit down and just let the story unfold. It is, um, And it comes from a place of um, the external world, like experiencing, you know, seeing the birds and experiencing that, um, my five senses. And then it's blended with something from my emotional core mm -hmm. from childhood. So um, that, that's how the story evolved. And then when I write it, I don't ever even really know where the story's going. I don't plot my stories. They just come from those places. And then once I get it down on the paper, I see what it is, and then I work with it. Mm -hmm. What a gift. And so many authors say this to me, that that they get these thoughts, like you say, one lines or just a snippet of something, and it's usually in that uh, twilight area, as you say, between falling asleep and or getting up or in the middle of the night uh, when your mind is probably the most relaxed, and that's that little nugget seed for the idea, and then they don't really know where it's going. They don't sit and plot it all out in spreadsheets. It just flows, and it's not until after the fact that they can go back and look at it and tweak it and say, oh, okay, it's almost like a gift from somewhere to you. It is absolutely like a gift. And um, yeah, but once once you've got it down on paper, then the real work begins. And it can take a year or two for me to edit a book that comes to me in that way. Um, this book was, um, it, it, this book seemed to, to go much quicker, but, but usually books will take me a year to two years of editing. Um, in fact, my new book that's coming out um, in 2024, Skybound, uh, the full title is Skybound starring Mary Myers as Carlotta, Daredevil, Aeronaut, and Scientist. That book um, took me over 100 drafts to write. Mm. So sometimes they can come quite easily, like now I'm a bird, and sometimes it's, um, it, it's quite a struggle and a lot of work to get it right. Mm -hmm. Your cover is obviously what captivates a person initially. Let's talk about your cover because I feel like I am her when I see that cover. I feel the sensation of flying. Yeah, the art in this book is exquisite, and it was created by Rania Metalino. Um, and she she lives in, in near Athens. She's in Greece. And she um, and I have actually never met. One of the things that you have to accomplish as an author is give your illustrator, who you will probably not meet until the book is over, um, a sense of the emotion of your character. Um, and I think she captured it beautifully here. I agree. I absolutely agree. And your book trailer, that also makes me smile. I just enjoyed that as well. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that was a lot of fun to create. Um, uh, I have a very talented uh, friend who works in the video game industry, and he he helps me with my book trailers. His name is Dennis Miller. Not that Dennis Miller, but um, <laughs> a different one, and he, he does such a great job on them. Well, my compliments to Dennis Miller, because uh, that was a very uh, joyful trailer. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, you also offer teacher's guides, and, and I like that idea because now you can take this book into the classroom and really delve deep into the uh, message of the book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the kids could really um, stand in the shoes of the characters um, when you have a teacher's guide. And, um, yeah, that, those are such great resources for the classroom. And, uh, again, 
creating a book is like is um, it's a solo journey as an author. You spend so much time alone in, in your head and just be, between the text. But then when the book comes out, um, you get to work on a team, and um, you know that's it's a team effort to pull together the book trailer and the marketing materials and and the teacher side. Um, and you find people who do a great job at it. Where you know I'm I'm not very good at creating those, but you know you, th- there are great resources mm-hmm. out there. Well, that teacher's guide is extremely comprehensive. You know, I read through the entire teacher's guide and just saw how applicable this was, but but in so many different directions. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one thing to impact one child reading a book, and it's another to impact a whole class mm-hmm. hands-on with it and, you know, really taking the lessons in deep. It was very, very thorough. Noticing your other book titles, some of them deal with health issues. Yeah, yeah, um, you're correct. So to um, to back up a bit, before I was a children's book author that had the great desire to be, I started, I founded a um, baby group in my community um, when my, my eldest daughter Jensen was born, and I was living here in the mountains very isolated and lonely as a new mom. I reached out to my community, started this baby group, and about 10 moms came together, and we became very close and shared all the ups and downs of, of parenting, uh, the new job of parenting. Uh, but within within a couple of years, um, there was a child in our group who was diagnosed, shockingly for all of us, especially the, the family, of course, with diabetes, another child with leukemia another with epilepsy, and then um, in my daughter's kindergarten, I, I had great compassion for a family whose child had severe anaphylactic uh, peanut allergies. And for me, I found parenting hard enough with just a healthy child and a co-parent, and I couldn't imagine what it was like to have to parent a child when you have to wake up at every couple of hours to test their blood for diabetes. So um, when the family was, um, the family's child was diagnosed uh, with diabetes, I wanted to give them a gift. And I looked for books because I think that is one of the greatest supporting gifts you could give a family going through this. And I didn't find the right book. I found books that comforted families with diabetes um, for the children. But I didn't find one that really empowered them, and I watched this family um, rise up like superheroes in the face of this. And so I wrote this book really for them, um, but worked with the, the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. I launched the book at one of their events and have um, spoken for them. And, yeah, and then the follow-up was, was the one on um, uh, severe peanut allergies, because at that time, um, when my second daughter, India, was in kindergarten, uh, and the letter went out saying uh, our daughter has peanut allergies, there were people who were not very supportive and didn't take it seriously. It was almost as if they felt like food allergies were like Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny where you have a choice to believe in them or not. Mm-hmm. And so these were my gifts of support to, to children and families facing these um, medical challenges and the shock of diagnosis. Wow, that's a beautiful thing. My granddaughter has a peanut allergy and, uh, you know, just kind of from out of nowhere. And you're right. I mean, just what you have to go through as parents 
to make sure that this child does not come in contact with anything that may contain peanuts. And then just the stress of a little child wondering why they can't have ice cream or they can't have this or that that everybody else has and to try to raise them without feeling like something's wrong with them. Yeah, any any kind of emotional support one could get from a book. And I love the title, The Princess and the Peanut, mm-hmm. <laughs> A Royally Allergic Fairy Tale. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it's like a full-time job for a parent um, to navigate uh, food aller- severe food allergies yeah. like that. Yeah. And they seem to be much more on the rise than they were when I was a child. That, that was totally unheard of. Yeah, exactly. Uh, same same with me. I don't remember one child with peanut allergies in my school. Thank you for writing those. Oh, yeah. My, it was my pleasure to support these children. And I hope, my, my greatest hope is that these books are irrelevant soon. And I think there are some um, new discoveries, um, definitely for uh, diabetes that are coming out now that I think might might make that happen in the next few years. Uh, wouldn't that be beautiful? Then your book will really be a collector's item. It's like, whoa, what is, <laughs> yeah. what is that book about? <laughs> <laughs> we, we could hope for that. that. <laughs> exactly. Now, your book titled That Monster on the Block, that book has 3,396 ratings on Amazon. <laughs> and I know that every author tuning in is going to want to know how they can recreate this. So maybe give us a little hint as to how that came about. Okay, well, um, I guess the little hint is that the publisher is Two Lions, and they are owned by Amazon. So that is the secret there. I had two... Um, two books that released on the same day, Now I'm a Bird and That Monster on the Block. And you can, you know, really see the power of the publisher behind this book. They've um, done an amazing job uh, making it um, visible in, 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 you know, in their Kindle program and their other programs. And uh, getting it out also, they did a great blog tour. They really did a great job promoting it. And I think that that's half of it. And I think the story... Um, I, I think both of these stories are so timely. Now I'm a bird and that monster on the block. Mm-hmm. Um, one uh, puts the readers in the shoes of the character doing the bullying, and the other puts the the reader in the shoes of the character being bullied. Mm-hmm. And they're important messages for both. Uh, yeah. So, but I think that they're they're kind of a great pairing together. I agree. And that monster on the block, the book is about children's prejudice and racism. And I think the timing was also impeccable as well. That came out October 2020. It just seemed like everything converged probably along with doing it with Amazon. It just was the uh, perfect match. Yeah, absolutely. The the timing was. And, um, you know, both of these books were inspired by um, socio-political events going on in our country for um, the last few years before the books came out. Um, it was um, my reaction to feeling helpless and, and wanting to create a kinder, more compassionate world. Right. And Planet Kindergarten, give us a peek into those. Yeah, so um, <laughs> uh, when my daughter Jensen was in kindergarten, she had a lot of anxiety, separation anxiety, as did one of her best friends. And uh, I watched them go from, uh, she had a really hard time transitioning into um, preschool. Um, In fact, she was um, 
she was let go from one preschool because she cried too much. And the other preschool where um, most of her good friends happened to be, I, I had to sit there every time she went for about four to six weeks until she was ready for that transition. They, they let it just um, evolve more naturally, which was a better fit for her. But I, I just, the separation anxiety was so heavy for so many kids as I saw, sat there and watched them and watched how they dealt with it. And as they went to kindergarten, I watched uh, one little boy who was her best friend um, really struggle with that transition. And in my mind, after uh, his first day of school, I just started pairing um, kindergarten, going off to kindergarten as a grand space adventure. Um, and so that became the metaphor for the book, to make it tap into the anxieties of kids having to go to kindergarten, but paired with something so fun and imaginative. And so that's what that story is about. Love that. As I think back, I think I had separation anxiety in kindergarten because I cried the first several weeks as well. I obviously oh. got over it, but yeah, nobody nobody gave me a Planet Kindergarten book to help me through that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I wanted, when my daughter went off to college, I wanted to write Planet College. Yeah. She also has <laughs> some separation anxiety for at least the first 24 hours that yes. we dropped her off and we waved goodbye and there were so many tears and then, you know, by it. By uh, midnight, I think all was good, and she found her friends there. But um, yeah, so I, yeah, anxiety is such a such a big thing for kids these days. It is. You should do a planet college for the parents. Some of the parents develop such anxiety <laughs> having their children leave as well. Absolutely, absolutely. I definitely needed someone to write that for me when I dropped her off. For sure. I remember I, when my daughter went to college, I'm like, all right, you have to call me every night when you get home. And that lasted a couple of weeks. And she got really mad at me. She goes, Mom, I'm not calling you every night. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Again, I needed a pl planet college. Oh, so funny. Now, what about this next book that will be released, Skybound? Maybe give us a little peek oh. into that. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, let me tell you how this, this evolved. Um, I, um, after I published Planet Kindergarten, my Planet Kindergarten series, um, with Chronicle Books, um, I felt really stuck. I kept submitting manuscripts and I get really close. My agent would get really close to placing them with a publisher, but then I'd get some feedback that they weren't connected with my characters so much. And I was trying to figure out what is going on. What am I not getting? And I had been a member of the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators for many years, and I had, had learned so much from them. And in the back of the room, I kept seeing this postcard every year for Vermont College of Fine Arts, a low-residency graduate program. And so I thought, when my kids are older, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and learn more. My passion is children's books, and I want to learn everything I can about it. And so finally, when my daughter started to drive, I felt that I needed to learn more. I was stuck. I was not able to um, get past the gatekeepers with my, my books. The editors were, they were liking them, but they were not loving them. So I signed up for Vermont College of Fine Arts, and um, it was like the Hogwarts of children's book writing. Um, it's an amazing institution. And so while there, um, one of my instructors gave me, gave me an assignment to write a picture book uh, that was a biographical picture book, which I had never done before. 
And so I was searching for a subject, and I came across this woman named Mary Myers. I had never heard of her. And she was credited with being the first um, balloon solo pilot in America, which I've come to learn there were others before her. But my jaw dropped open. Um, I love space. I love um, aeronautics. And I'd never heard of her. It was like we all know about Amelia Earhart, but who was this woman, Mary Myers? Well, she, it turns out that she logged more flights than all the women of her time in any single man. And she was, she taught herself to be a scientist and um, how to fly, essentially how to fly balloon in, in crazy dangerous weather conditions. Um, she, um, crash landed into trees 85, 85, 80 feet up and had to not, had to explain to men how to get her down. And she was absolutely fearless. She was once um, between two thunderclouds and back and forth for about 45 minutes, uh, like she was a ping pong ball, um, which is crazy. And she set a world record for going four miles up, with, and she had no oxygen equipment, which would be almost unheard of today to do that kind of feat. Um, and so she was just this amazing forgotten woman from history. And the more I learned about her, the more I dove into her life and how incredible she was. And she had, uh, her husband was the one that got her into this field. Um, and he was quite an amazing, uh, co-partner for her who allowed her during these American Victoria, during the American Victoria era of the 1800s to go off by herself when women couldn't even walk down the street without a shop, without a chaperone to get her to a neighbor's house. He was letting her go off on these balloon, grand balloon adventures. So that's, that's, it's a really exciting book with, um, um, with an incredible, uh, illustrator named Ayacopo Bruno. And I'm so excited to start getting sketches in the next, um, in the next year about, uh, to, to see what, what, he, what magic he's going to bring to the oh. story. Oh my gosh. We have, we have to wait till 2024. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's the thing about picture books or books in general, but picture books, especially it takes two to three years generally for them to be released once you sell them. Mm -hmm. Wow. So all of your publishing is done through publishing companies and publishing groups. You have not self published anything. Actually, so my first two books were self-published. Okay. Um, I was so passionate about creating them, and they were niche books. I knew that uh, large publishers were not going to be so interested in tapping into the market of diabetes and food allergies at that time, and I, I heard as much back um, from, an, from an agent who sent it out to some publishers, uh, the food allergy one. Uh, but... So I just decided to do it myself. I learned a lot about publishing and marketing and um, did found some unconventional distribution um, because when you do self-publish, you don't get distribution. You have to figure it out yourself. And I connected with um, Medtronic, um, a medical manufacturer of a diabetes pump, which I featured in the book, and they put it in hospitals across the country. Um, so it, it was quite a – it was – quite a fun adventure to do it myself, but after a while, um, I just wanted to write the books and not, right. not spend the time creating them, mm -hmm. um, because it, 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 it's pretty intensive to, 
to write it, create it, market it. Um, I, I hired professionals all around me to support me in it, and I, I learned a lot. Like, um, I, I learned how to, um, with each book, I've learned more and more about the, um, the craft of writing. And with my first book, it was oh, 1,500 words probably, whereas now picture books are about 500 words. Mm-hmm. So I've learned how to distill the words and emotions down over time. And I think you can see that now I'm a bird. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's hard to pare down. It's all, it's difficult to tweak and pull things out. Yeah, it's like haiku, creating a haiku. <laughs> exactly. Very, very true. I, I need to know a little bit about Broadway, though. I know it doesn't have anything <laughs> to do with uh, with writing your books, but what went on on Broadway? <laughs> all right, all right. So here's the story behind that. Um, when my kids were in elementary school, I suddenly found myself with zero experiencing producing our school play and ultimately founded a theater program where we would have over 100 kids and parents involved, over 100 parents as well, um, involved in putting on these mini Broadway-like shows. And um, I have to confess that I have terrible, horrible, I've had terrible stage fright my whole life. Um, and um, I would watch these kids come in and audition from uh, kindergarten to sixth grade. And they were just fearless. I mean, there were a few clinging on to their parents' legs, but they came out, they sang a song, they talked to a panel of adults and went on their merry way and got a role. Every kid got a role. Um, so one year at a holiday sing at my daughter's school, I heard um, the song Seasons of Love um, beautifully performed by the kids. And I was so swept away by that song. And I, I vaguely remembered, oh, I think that's from the... Broadway show Rent, that's been playing a long time. I should probably see that before it closes. And then one day I was on eBay, and uh, an ad popped up uh, for an eBay item, and it was a walk-on role for a part in Rent on Broadway. (laughs) So I went, I thought to myself, see it, I could be in it. So my talent, and I told my girls, this is not how you will get on Broadway if you want to be there one day. <laughs> do not do what I do. But I, I bid on the role, and I, I, I won. And um, the thing is, I, Pat, I could barely sing Happy Birthday on key. <laughs> so my kids love to perform, and they love to sing and dance. And so they had a, um, they had a, a teacher to help them with their, a voice coach, and so I thought, I'm going to hire the voice coach. And so for two or three months, I worked like crazy to be able to carry a tune. Huh. And um, and again, me, I um, I was so, um, I had so much stage fright that if I ever had to hold a microphone and give a speech or do a work presentation for three weeks, I would be shaking in my boots. And it would take everything for me to pull that off. Oh. And somehow, miraculously, by tapping into the, to what these kids have, the strength and the just the open heart of these kids and the fearlessness, I was able to get out there and sing two songs with the Rent crew on Broadway. And it was um, one of the most ex- amazing experiences of my life. Um, so I, I feel like when opportunity presents itself, yeah, yes. even when you're terrified. <laughs> and so that's how I try to Oh, I try to live. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love this story. Here you were on eBay and and a ad pops up. Obviously you were meant to see that and this was supposed to happen to you. Oh, 
I feel like it was for my personal development. Yep, yep. I yep. do. Oh, I love that. It gave me goosebumps. I love that story. I'm so <laughs> happy you were able to experience that. How thrilling. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I knew we were going to have a lot of good things to talk about. All right. Well, as we begin to wrap up, I want to make sure we're not missing anything that you wanted to bring up. Um. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what I'd like to say is if there's anybody out there, I, I'm, I'm, um, I have so many people that come up to me and say, oh, I have an idea for, I've had this idea for a children's book. And, and just to give, just to give a few tips on anyone who does have a children's book idea rattling around your head that you've been wanting to write for a long time or maybe that's just come to you. Um, here are a few, few quick tips. One, um, first of all, get it out of your head. Just write it down. Don't be precious about your words. Just write down whatever comes out. And it's a first draft, and it's not going to be perfect. Mine are terrible. Mine are quite often horrible. Um, you just got to get it out. Then you can decide what to do with it. You can decide um, if you want to take it further. And if you're serious about publishing it, read a 100 picture books that have been published in the last two to three years, not the classics, because that's not what's being published today. Those style of books. Um, have changed quite a, quite a bit. Readers have changed. Kids have changed, and we need to write books that are for today's children. Um, and so I, I'd suggest reading 100 books. Um, if you want a career as a children's book writer, join the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. You can find them at scbwi.org. Online, um, you can learn everything you need to learn from them. And... Um, and including finding a critique group to make it the best book you possibly can. So those are my quick tips. Oh. Um, you can also, you can find me on my website at Um And you can, if you look up Now I'm a Bird online, you can see how to spell my name and you can find me easily there. And uh, feel free to reach out. I, I, I love to hear from people and uh, especially folks, uh, kids that have read my books, like... Um, when our books fly out into the world, we picture book authors don't often hear from our audiences. Mm -hmm. um, and when we do, it just it warms our hearts so much to know that we touch a child. So beautiful. You are absolutely inspiring. We are speaking with Sue Gans Schmidt, and I'll spell her name for you. It's Sue, S-U-E-G-A-N-Z. Schmidt is spelled S-C-H-M-I-T-T. -T. Sue Gans Schmidt. Her book that we talked about mostly was Now I'm a Bird. You are fabulous. Thank you so much for today. And I'm looking forward to reading your new book. And I think you entered another one, The Monster on the Block. For, yeah. Oh, yep, yep. All right. Hopefully we'll have a chance to talk again. I hope so. Thank you so much, Pat. It's been such a delight.